One thing that we see is the ability to get feature sets faster, uh, patches and vulnerabilities are patched more automatically versus teams on site having to do that manually or doing it during off hours or on the weekend. So getting near real time security updates was a benefit. Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the challenges and benefits of adopting as a service models and how embracing as a service can transform mission delivery. It's Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. The Commerce Department on Monday announced 31 tech hubs across the U.S. that will be eligible for a piece of $500 million in federal funding to help spur innovation across industries like autonomous systems, quantum computing, clean energy, semiconductors, and more. The Tech Hubs program, which was enacted as part of the Chips and Science Act of 2022, hopes to build and support new innovation centers and research and development capacity across the U.S. The designated Tech Hubs include facilities focused on safe and effective autonomous systems initiatives in Montana and Oklahoma, quantum computing projects in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin, semiconductor manufacturing in Texas, Oregon, Vermont, and New York, and energy transition initiatives in Louisiana, Idaho, Wyoming, and Florida. These hubs can now apply to receive between $40 million and $70 million each under the program's $500 million in available funding. EPIC, or the Electronic Privacy Information Center, sent a letter Tuesday to the Biden administration urging that federal agencies need resources in order to comply with existing and future AI regulations. The group also suggested that the Office of Management and Budget should update its guide to privacy impact assessments, which agencies are supposed to conduct before deploying new technologies to include AI-related considerations. The letter, viewed by FedScoop, comes as the Biden administration is set to issue a new executive order on AI, and OMB plans to issue AI guidance for federal agencies. The letter also calls on the administration to make federal agency AI use case inventories, which are required by a 2020 Trump administration executive order, more user friendly. You can read more about these stories and much more at fedscoop.com. More and more agencies are turning to as-a-service cloud-based applications rather than hosting services in-house. While there are many benefits to that model, there are challenges too. My colleague Wyatt Cash spoke recently with Federal Energy Regulatory Commission CIO Mittal Desai about the challenges and benefits of adopting an as-a-service model, the cultural shifts required within iTeams to support adoption, and other training needs. Desai also highlights significant impacts of as-a-service on operations, including reduced outages, faster feature deployment, and improved security. Listen into that conversation now. Federal agencies are on a constant journey to modernize their IT. Working with integrators steeped in managed service program delivery is one way to help agencies make faster headway with their most pressing IT infrastructure, hardware platform, software application, and security needs. I'm Wyatt Cash with Scoop News Group, and here to talk about that today is Mattel Desai, Chief Information Officer at the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Mattel, thank you so much for joining us. Wyatt, thanks again for having the opportunity to have me on board again, so appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Well, I'd like to start, um, maybe if you could share an example of an IT operational or staffing challenge that FERC has faced where adopting an as-a-service model really presented a faster or more effective way of delivering on your mission. Yeah, so why what we did at, at, at the FERC, uh, it became a cultural challenge, right? Uh, we had a lot, of, a lot of services that were on-prem, and migrating those services from on-prem to as a service was a culture shift for the IT teams, right? Those folks that were very used to being on the keyboard, uh, folks that were a little bit more in-depth into the OSI layer, moving them up and managing more configurations, subscriptions, tenant management was a little bit of a challenge. And it was an adjustment. So, you know, we made sure as we moved to more as a service models, uh, we had folks that were trained to manage those, uh, had uh, also management with vendors. So vendor management became a very important thing and aspect. So if there were uh, service outages or calls, how to work with the right people in the right time to get those services up, up and running. And so we saw as we were transitioning to as a service, that was a little bit of a training niche that we had to kind of put into place. But the overall outcome was positive, right? Uh, outsourcing those services allowed us the ability to have more resilient services, uh, more uptime, less outages, uh, and having my teams manage more of customer aspects than dealing with more more specific technical needs. So that's where we saw a lot of the challenges and the benefits overall. Terrific. And, and then uh, just to follow up on that, how are you using various degrees of managed services uh, or an as a service model more generally to meet mission objectives? And, and what are you still keeping in house? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, we at the FERC um, use as a service models to manage security services, uh, financial management systems, back office services. But a bigger thing that we're doing, we have embarked on a multi-year effort to uh, modernize our core suite of business applications. These applications are used by our employee base to regulate energy. And so that entire stack, we're actually moving to an infrastructure as a service platform, as a service type of model. And in some instances, software as a service where it makes sense. So we have migrated a lot of those things. Uh, how we make determinations of what we potentially keep on site. Uh, we've done, uh, a really good job of doing alternative analysis, right? Those analysis uh, really taking the factors of financial management of those systems. Does it make financial sense to migrate them? Uh, key security concerns as we're moving subsets of data into, into as a service and taking away the, the direct management of that. Does that make most sense with the data types that are based on that? And then finally, at the end of the day, is it the best need and best outcome for our customer base? And so taking all those factors and doing an internal analysis really gives us an output in respect to which services stay on-prem, which one are hybrid, and which ones are fully being migrated as a managed service. And then I'm curious, where do you see as a service or managed services making the most significant impact on your uh, agency's operations or your IT department's operations more specifically? Yeah, a couple things. So we saw uh, uh, an increase in, in uh, or decrease in outages, but an increase in uptime of services, right? Um, the one thing that we see is the ability to get feature sets faster, uh, patches and vulnerabilities are patched more automatically versus teams on site having to do that manually or doing it during off hours or on the weekend. So getting near real time security updates was a benefit. The other piece is mobility, right? I think as we moved from the pandemic into now increased workplace flexibilities, 
the increased use of mobility, mo mobile services, so location independence, right? Accessing services at any time, at any place was paramount. And so using some of these as a service models was really helpful for us to be able to support those outcomes um, and manage better customer experience for our end user base. Yeah, I have to imagine the expanded ability for mobile work uh, must have made a huge difference. It would have been very difficult without that. And then, you know, I always like to ask, what, what are some lessons that you learned through this experience that you might share with uh, your colleagues out there? Yeah, so the first few things, as I mentioned before, with the increases in mobility, it also increases your security environment, right? Managing those security assets across a distributed uh, area network or distributed area resources across the continental United States. So making sure uh, that you have proper security configurations, proper security governance in place to support the advent of mobility using managed services. Uh, also, being aware of future updates, uh, when you use as a service model, uh, the vendors tend to increase the number of and velocity of feature updates. And sometimes you may not be aware and customers get uh, prone to seeing new features without having proper training. And so managing that uh, mm. expectation with your vendor is very important. And I think a couple other things is that having proper software asset management governance in place is very important because as you move to as a service model, subscription-based models can become very costly if not managed closely. And then finally, understanding contractual obligations of service models. So understanding what the SLAs look like. Uh, so when you have uptime requirements or if you have issues with problem management, how do you make sure that you can rectify those issues very effectively with your vendor and making sure that your customer base is getting what they need at the end of the day? Some great points there. And then lastly, uh, how do you see as a service models and managed service providers really kind of shaping your technology priorities uh, in, in the future? Yeah, I think it's a huge benefit for us, right? As we move into the federal requirements of becoming cloud smart and using more as a service models, uh, we've been embracing that at the commission. Uh, we've moved a lot within our IT strategic plan. We've really looked to see where we can do that alternative analysis I spoke before, where it makes sense to outsource those, those uh, commodity buy of IT potentially, or even specific niche buys. If it makes sense, we will outsource it to reduce the bur burden of on-site premise needs. And, and having my staff spend more time doing more higher level strategic work uh, to be able to bring more innovation to, into the environment for our customer base. So um, I, I see that as a benefit. I see that, that we will be looking at it closely increasing it. Um, I think the federal government is moving that way, uh, just speaking with our fellow peers across uh, the federal landscape. I think it's a benefit. But again, you always perceive a caution, right? Doing that alternative analysis is very important to, to do follow a pragmatic process to ensure that you're making the right decision that's informed and, and cost from a cost perspective that makes sense, uh, you know, for the commission. Well, Mattel Desai, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to share your firsthand experiences in adopting uh, a greater use of managed services and also some of the lessons that you've learned as well and how that's helped the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you again, appreciate the time, Wyatt. You can learn more about as a service at the daily scooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. 
We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Until then, I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.